Well, right now, uh, we're going to talk to uh, our chum, John Bonfilio, who's uh, our Latin American specialist, uh, live, live, live from uh, Mexico. Uh, John, a very good morning to you. Hey, how are you, Martin? Not too bad. We're uh, we're sort of not quite confined yet, but there's a sort of partial lockdown here. So I'm talking to you live from my back room at home, uh, which, which is so which is much what you do uh, each week when we talk to you. Pretty much, yeah. Although a back room for me, I come and step out into the into the car in the street, which is completely empty for reasons that we you know, we can all trace back to. Um, yeah, to the virus, because uh, it's got good reception and stuff, but essentially, yeah, much the same, I, you know, it's a kind of a mobile, I guess, kind of, uh, I don't know, office. I guess. <laughs> yeah, so um, we, we talk a lot about Bolsonaro. I notice, incidentally, it's his 65th birthday today. Uh, do you send him a card? Um, I, I always try and keep up to date with Bolsonaro's birthdays uh, and uh, any other major life, uh, life <laughs> <laughs> uh, marks that he has. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, his birthday today, and uh, Ronaldinho's birthday, 40th birthday tomorrow. Uh, yes. he, he is still in prison. Re yeah, we're still in prison. Yeah, no, it's, um, uh, we obviously spoke about Ronaldinho last week, just uh, trying to get the, the attention away from COVID-19 a, a little bit, but uh, he, he went up in front of a judge to try and argue that he could be placed under house arrest as he awaited trial, but they said that he was a a flight risk and was in danger of uh, fleeing the country. So they've taken him, uh, they sent him back to prison to play more football with the other inmates who are um, very delighted to, to have their new best friend back uh, back between the walls. Obviously, that um, I mean, the, the prison, prison story in, you know, internationally, but in Latin America at the moment, we've spoken a lot about the overcrowding in, uh, in Latin American prisons, but that also means that contextually at the moment, they are potential hotbeds, hotbeds of coronavirus transmission. Um, so uh, there's, there's a lot of prisoners actually, or prisons that are releasing certain, maybe not so high-risk prisoners out into uh, into the community because of fears of uh, you know what may take place in these in these areas. Also, contextually in Latin America, migrant camps too, because um, uh, the worry always has been that uh, disease can spread like wildfire through. Uh, through migrant camps. Um, I was speaking to somebody yesterday actually who was saying that ordinarily uh, the fear would have been that it was cholera. They never thought that it would be something like this that, that would rip into those camps, but they say that it's only a matter of time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Bolsonaro's uh, handling of the crisis uh, is uh, not going well, is it? Uh, I was reading a thing in the in the papers yesterday that uh, uh, the uh, the beach, the emblematic, iconic beach at Ipanema, uh, police carrying megaphones uh, have told people, you know, to get off the beach, basically, uh, and um, you know, because they should be quarantined, they should be at home, uh, go home. Apparently, officers urged them. And Bolsonaro is felt to have not uh, not acted very quickly or very wisely, you know, in the face of uh, the coronavirus. No, definitely, and and always mixed messages with him as well because he's the most anti-authoritarian authoritarian that there is. I mean, it's kind of a weird position for him for him to be in. But certainly, um, even in the last week, he's been out and about, pressing the flesh, hugging. Um, people in the streets kissing babies. I mean, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, uh, the Mexican president, is doing much the same at this end, and just uh, uh, in flagrante doing the opposite of what uh, everybody should be doing, given 
you know, what scientists uh, tell us and so on. In fact, the health minister here in Mexico who's in charge of, you know, the coronavirus response when we're pressed about AMLO's uh, pressing of the flesh in in public with his supporters recently said that he was uh, he was a, that AMLO was a moral agent, not a vile agent. Wow. Wow. Uh, so that's the guy that's, in charge. That's yeah. the guy in charge. Well, I know. It's, uh, I mean, he's a bit like Trump in the sense that, you know, sometimes it sort of defies belief, uh, some of the, the, you know, the actions of uh, Bolsonaro and his, uh, and his chums in government. Um, what's, tell, me, ask, tell me what's going down in Santiago. Um, there's uh, a bit of a revolt there, isn't there, amongst uh, young people? Yeah, and this goes back to what, what, what's been taking place over the course of the last few months, you know, with, with um, civic uprisings right across Latin America, we, which we spoke about, you know, on your program, largely to do with, I mean, different local reasons in, in different countries, but largely to do with, you know, with gross inequality over, over a long period of time, endemic inequality. Um, and so those are kind of, it's not that they've tapered down, but, you know, the news cycle has moved on a little bit. But in Santiago, there's been a particularly militant, um, you know, crew of, of young people that has continued to be on um, on the streets. And of course, you know, looking back to um, to, the, to the coronavirus, this is only going to um, heighten and increase the number of the, the disparity between rich and poor and the number of number of people uh, in poverty. The UN estimated just yesterday that uh, another 35 million people could slip into into poverty in Latin America, taking it to 250 million. And to be honest, I think given, given, given what I'm seeing here at the moment in terms of um, the overnight collapse of, of businesses, of people being uh, let go, I mean, whole sectors just disappearing off the face of the earth, you know, from one day to the next, I think that's a conservative estimate. I think we are looking at, uh, obviously, the coronavirus in and of itself is a major problem, but I think, and I'm sure it's, it's a, the, the case over where you are and elsewhere internationally, we're looking at uh, the beginning of a big old um, social storm, given what these restrictions are going to do to to the economy in these countries. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think clearly on a slightly lesser scale, the same thing is is happening here. We're going to talk uh, very shortly to an economist about what the effect of uh, coronavirus might be on the British economy. I know already just from personal experience, you just get in a in an Uber car or you talk to uh, somebody who's got a hairdressing business or a little coffee shop or anything. And they're all facing going out of business. I mean, lots and lots and lots of them and people who are uh, freelancers or, you know, part of the gig economy, zero hours contracts, all those people are um, facing severe difficulties. I mean, the government here has stepped in with a huge program, I think, as Trump has in, in the US as well, but with a massive program. But that, that again, has, you know, the fears that that's going to uh, unbalance the economy. And I think they, uh, the last I heard, they were looking at the biggest recession for 100 years was, um, was, was something that I uh, heard. So clearly that's going to be a worldwide thing. But if you're looking at some of those economies in Latin America, I would think, well, you could tell me if I'm right or not, um, because they're starting from a much lower base, uh, the pain is going to be much more deeply felt. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, most, most people here live hand to mouth. They, you know, they work and they take home that money and there's no, there's no fat um, in, in, the, in, the, in the bank account. In fact, over the course of the last few days, I've seen... Um, people uh, accused going round corners in 
uh, like cash and stuff. I mean, I, I guess, you know, again, you and I have spoken about that a number of times, but it, it starts to feel visually now here how uh, Venezuela is visually, you know, in terms of long queues um, for lots of different things, things disappearing off the shelves, um, you know, new economies springing up suddenly, you know, especially around things like healthcare, where when things break down, people are fearful of something, those with, with money will suddenly spring forth with something else. Uh, new security ventures as well, because obviously, you know, it's not too much of a leap in the imagination to think that M rates are going to go up and stuff so people are fearful of that and are going to be beginning to protect their their investments and stuff and and historically the in latin america money has always been held in in the hands of of the few and and that's not going to change i mean they may lose you know even if they lose quite a few percentage points of of what they have they're still going to be in the top five percent here but everybody else is going to is going to really really feed it and they don't have anywhere to go with it and actually where a lot of people are still out working they'll they'll say to you look you know i've got to take my chance with coronavirus because if i go home i'm just going to die of you know if i don't have money then we're going to die of something else so yeah. it's not it's not like it's a choice for people here um they're not doing they're not staying out and working those that are because they you know they're 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 flying in the face of advice it's because and um, they're stuck between a, you know, a, a really big rock yeah. and a massive hard place. Exactly. Uh, John, thank you uh, ever so much for uh, bringing us up to date on a very grim situation across you know, most of Latin America. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thank you, Martin. There he is, uh, John Bonfilio, uh, top man, Latin American specialist, uh, live from uh, Mexico.